Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? It is episode 37, and we are talking about the magic of the 45th. And by that, we mean just parallel 45 latitude 45 actually have anything to do with why Pinot Noir does so well there? Actually, yes. I it think does? it does in some ways, but we'll yeah. talk about it. We'll get so, to it. The 45th parallel or latitude 45 is kind of like as some author that I just read states the magnificent mile of wine. I think it's more than a mile. Right. But I like it. But I'm just saying. So there's a lot that goes into people saying, oh, well, you know, the Rhone Valley is on the 45th parallel, and that's part of the reason that they grow such significant wine, yada, yada. So we're kind of going to get into that. Okay, cool. And so with that- What are we drinking? We're drinking a 2015. Yeah. It's called Parallel 45. Yeah, it is. It's a Cote de Rhone from- Paul, you are so flippin' excited for this. <laughs> Jesus. Do you guys have any question whether or not Sarah likes Cote d'Irone? I love Cote d'Irone. Probably not after this episode. So it is from Paul Jaboulet. Jaboulet. Agnès. Mm-hmm. And it is Maison, founded in 1834. So Sarah is going to pop this sucker. And I'm sorry, it is a blend. 60% Grenache, 40% Syrah. Yep. So those are some of the most popular grapes from this region. Yep, grapes from yep. the Cote d'Irone. Um, like you said, Mouvedre is another big one, but there's actually 22 different varietals. That surprised me. That you can use to put into a Cote d'Irone. So Cote d'Irone is actually in the Southern Rhone Valley. Yes. As we get into our wine mapping. Careful. I know, I am so excited. Oh. This... The cork is breaking. <laughs> the cork is breaking. No. Okay. Don't worry. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I know Jamie is very nervous because the cork is literally cracking in front of us. It's but amazing. I'm going to use my wine opening skills. She can't even watch because it just broke in half. <gasps> oh, I was like, I didn't hear a pop. That was the quietest pop I've ever heard. I think this is the first time in DVP history that we've had a broken cork on microphone. So this just goes to show you, this happens to every... sure is squeaky. ...buddy. (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. I mean, it was there. Does it smell okay? Yeah, there was a pop. Okay. Our why our cork is uh, Sarah had to brace it between the legs. Not in such good condition, but the the wine's open and I think it's okay. Wine's open. It doesn't look like it's like over evaporated for 2015. Still a pretty full bottle. No, and uh, this is a 14% ABV. Okay. Oh, it's a lovely purpley color. Mm. That's probably the Grenache. Ooh, I'm mixing. Actually, and the Syrah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this guy. All right. It smells so lovely. All right. Cheers. Cheers. After that arduous process of opening that bottle. You got your workout in today. I know. I get to deserve this. I deserve this one. I deserve this. Mm, Mm. It's good. This is good. This is a pretty cheap bottle for a French wine. 
What was it? I think this was like what around twelve dollars. Oh, that's right. That's we got this a total cheap. line, yeah. But that's part of the um, luxury. I, uh, luxury, maybe you would say, or the accessibility of Cotarone. So it's usually the cheaper, kind of more accessible lines of the Southern Rhone Valley. Okay. Because right. Can you talk to us about where the Southern Rhone Valley is? Uh, mm -hmm. Sure, but I just want to. I just want to put this in comparison to. Um, if, if any of you have heard of Chateauneuf de Pop, yes. All right. Chateauneuf de Pop is a very well-known, highly respected <laughs> wine region of also France. Also another favorite of Sarah's. I am obsessed with it. It is <laughs> delicious, but you're hard pressed to find a bottle that's less than $40. Of Chateauneuf de Pop? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I have done that, but I'm also... Pretty savvy in the wine bargaining area, um, as we've talked but if you about walk, before. Yeah, if you walk into a store, then you know you're really going to have a hard time finding a Chateauneuf de Pop that is that is uh, less than forty. Now, Cote Rhone is right above Chateauneuf de Pop, so we're talking Southern Rhone. Chateauneuf de Pop is more south, uh, okay, but very close in proximity, and they yield pretty good wines. So think about location-wise, you know, you're paying significantly less. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about Chateauneuf de Pop. So France has three great wine regions, Bordeaux, Burgundy, and then Rhone. Three? That's all that it says? Yes. Karen McNeil, how dare you? <laughs> um, the Rhone Valley is actually, it takes its name from the Rhone River. Makes sense. And which, it runs right through it. Yeah. Yep. Which goes from Switzerland to France... Um, and into the canyons of the Jura Mountains. So if you go south of Lyon, which I am dying to go to Lyon. Yeah, yeah. Um, then the river kind of goes more south, and then it goes into the Mediterranean. But the Valley of Rhone, so Rhone Valley by on the river, is divided into two parts, Northern Rhone and um, small, and then Southern Rhone. Um, now, Southern Rhone is a little more well-known, the Northern Rhone has the really, really, really expensive stuff, stuff like Hermitage. Oh, Hermitage, yeah. And Cote Roti yes. and things like that. Like, that's where you're talking, like, big, big money. Lots okay? of very expensive. Very yeah. well-renowned. Mm -hmm. And I think they, they've they got it figured out. Yeah. So the most famous of the Southern Rhone is the Chateauneuf de Pop, which one day we will be drinking one on this podcast and talking about it. But today we're, we're talking out. about Cote which is probably my next favorite um, of that region. I, and here's the thing. I just don't have that big of a background in French wines. I remember my mother when I was younger. Yeah. Like when I, I could she drink. She loved Chateauneuf de Pop. No, she loved Cote d'Aron. She oh. would drink Louis Jadot Cote d'Aron mm. and loved it. And like, so I kind of, uh, and that's also a very um, uh, accessible wine. It's, I think, like 15 bucks or something. Like, you can get Louis Jadot for pretty cheap, and it's consistently good. Yeah. Um, so I always remember Cote d'Aron, Cote d'Aron, Cote d'Aron. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just good stuff, guys. <laughs> It's the good shit. It's the good shit. So, there is like a difference between the northern Cote d'Aronnes and the southern Cote d'Aronnes. The northern Cote d'Aronne wines are a little more uh, structured and serious. They 
say because the southern ones have more of a Mediterranean influence. Um, so they have warmer uh, a warmer climate. Also, it seems that the northern Rhone has fewer varietals that are grown there, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, I think that... Um, so the northern Rhone, it says here, is like Syrah, Viognier, Marsan, and Roussin, which are pretty... Roussin, I know, is a pretty rare grape. Yeah. I think Marsan is also... Um, but the Southern Rhone, as we talked, has this Grenache, this Syrah, Mouved, um, Cinso, Carignan, which I know we've talked about before on the podcast, and so, but also a whole slew of white wines. And so I think that maybe it's because this is going to be, since it's the Southern part of France, because like if you look at it on a map, and I feel like France is like a one, two, three, four, a pentagram, mm-hmm. there we go, pentagon, pentagram, whatever. <laughs> it's a five-sided figure. Yeah. It is closer towards that bottom right side, like that bottom right point. Yes. So if you're that's what you're imagining France as, that's where you're going to find uh Rhone Valley. And so Southern Rhone is obviously going to be further south. Yeah. Closer to the water. Um so I know Jamie you said Cote de Rhone's like always GSM. So Grenache, Syrah, Mavetra. It's very much it's very much a It very much is. Grenache is usually the main varietal that dominates the blend. Okay. Especially in the southern half of the valley. Um, and then Syrah is another big one. Like you like the one we're drinking does not have any Mavetra in it. Right. Uh, so but there's also a bunch of other varietals that can be used in Cotaron. Here in Yance and so um Terroir Noir, uh, Claret, and there's also white Cote de Rhone. So sometimes really? you go to, like, there's a French restaurant by here that we always go to. And they, when you order the Cote de Rhone, because I like the one they have there, they always ask you with the red or the white. Because there is white to Cote de Rhone. Today we're drinking yeah. a red. Um, but in the white ones, they have, like, Marsan, Roussan, Viennet, Grenache Blanc. Like, those are all the different kinds of varietals they can have. So... You're talking like, I mean, there's a lot. So you you really kind of have to find, if you if you want to do a lot of Cote d'Rhone exploring, it's a good idea to try and find the um, the one, you know, taste a few different ones because they're all going to be a little bit different. Yes, so, I mean, exactly. You, you kind of got to get into the, the groove of trying to like explore and be open to different, yeah, different wines. You know, I love it. I know. And that's the other thing is that I typically associate French wines with red wines and not as much white, although I am now, I'm learning. This is, this is my new region to yep. explore. So we have talked a bit more about Grenache and previous, Grenache answer on previous episodes. So we're not really going to spend a ton of time on that. No, really I really just wanted, at, I wanted to highlight the Rhone Valley and Cote de Rhone and yeah. kind of get into this parallel. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the winemaker. Wine yep. Yeah. So Jaboulet is the winemaker of this Parallel 45. Um, and he started making wine before even the dawn of the AOC system. So in 1834. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's still a, rel- AOC is pretty relatively new mm-hmm, classification mm-hmm, system. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of in more of the northern of the Cote d'Aron. Um, and his family purchased the property Mm. that they're growing the wine on about 10 years ago. Uh, and they basically have been using biodynamic principles and encouraging sustainable practices. 
for their all their wines that they make. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's given that uh, this is actually you know how cheap this is. Like that's pretty impressive. Oh, for um, sure. The this proprietor. Is a, it's a really good wine. Yeah, the proprietor is Carolyn Frey, um, and she's really no, uh, notable for producing uh, quality Syrah oh, in the Rhone Valley. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. So, I feel like my teeth are going to turn real purple yeah. after drinking this. But it's a really good wine for $12. I would say we've done ourselves well. This is amazing. It's 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 a little peppery, like mm-hmm. black pepper. Um, Which is, I think actually, is a Syrah. Yeah. And actually, yeah. I think paired super well with this cheese that you have mm-hmm. that has the pepper that on it. That has the pepper. Like, yes. It's, like, it's very complimentary. Yes. Um, I think, though, this does have more of those like darker black fruits on the nose, but there is also this like presence of a tannin that's like it's a very I'd say what we call this like a structured tannin. Like it's like it's very much there and it's still permeating. Like I took a swig, I don't know when I started talking. It's been probably thirty seconds to like a minute. And it's still in my mouth and I don't I don't hate it. I actually really like it. It's one of those things where I'm like, ooh yes, keep it going. Sorry, I, I like good linger. Like, I wanted to linger the poor there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very, very cool. Yeah. But we, while we're drinking a Grenache Syrah, we want to talk a, about a different red varietal. Pinot? One, one that we all know and I think we love. Pinot Noir? Yeah. Yeah. So Pinot Noir, the reason that it gets is a lot of Pinots do really well in this 45 degrees latitude. So what, what is a latitude? Okay. I rem- okay. I remember growing up as a kid, I learned fat lat. That's okay. how I remembered it. So it's like you, the fatter you were, like that was like the equator, right? So the mm-hmm. equator is the fattest latitude. Yep. And so it's like a belt around the earth. Longitude is from top to bottom. So it's how long the world is, is yes. also how I remember. Yes. So latitudes go it splits the earth into northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere Mm -hmm. and so when we talk about the 45th parallel we're talking about the 45th latitude north i think yeah so primarily yeah yeah and the 45th parallel is actually not only known for wine but also known because it's the halfway point between the equator and the north pole Indeed. Maybe Santa makes his stop here. <laughs> Post-livery. <laughs> yeah. So that's another big thing. Um, there's a lot of, um, like, okay, so I'm from Michigan. And, what? Huh? Okay. What? We and know. In Michigan, and, um, and we'll kind of talk about that too, uh, how, what Michigan has in common with Burgundy. That is a legit jaw drop. Burgundy. But when you start driving up north, you find these areas that have signs and they're like historical or not historical point, but, you know, geographical point. And you stop and there's a sign. We we actually stopped at one coming back from a trip in Wisconsin up north. And it was, this is the 45th parallel. It's the halfway point between the equator and the North Pole. And you're like, well, that's pretty damn cool. And you're like, just keep driving and yeah. swimming and you're like, whatever, fjording. I don't know. But um, it's actually not the true halfway point. The true halfway point is actually 10 miles north of the 45th parallel because the Earth is a spheroid, <gasps> so it bulges at the equator. Girl. 
That is a true statement. Because it's not a straight line. Yeah. Oh, my God. So well, I, I've just got really... And so... Okay. Way more technical than I even know or understand. <laughs> so... When we talk about 45th, there's also like this, the wine, okay, 45th is like in the context of Pinot Noir, probably one of the best mm-hmm. parallels. So everybody claims, I'm, I'm going to make a counter argument. However, most wine regions fall within that 30 to 50 degree parallel. Yep. So it's in that sort of band around, and that's both Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere. Yep. And it just is like the right climate, wherever it is, to essentially grow those grapes. Make the damn good wine. Make it, make it well. And that is what we love. So we're so glad that people figured that nonsense out. Yeah. For shizzle, my nizzle. But <laughs> I'm going to let you go on the 45th if you have specific things because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to counter. Oh, you're going to counter me. Okay. I am going to counter you. Okay. Um, I'm prepared. So, it's a, it's supposedly a magical line. It's like I said, halfway between Equator and the North Pole, um, and but this runs through some of the best vineyards in the Northern Hemisphere. France, so, Italy, France, Italy, Burgundy, um, Oregon, Oregon, the Rhone Valley, like yeah. all these areas that the forty fifth parallel runs, that we all know is wonderful for wine. So there's um, like, it seems that there is a common denominator. Yeah. Right? And actually it's hilarious because <laughs> Michigan. You Michigander, you. Uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about this because I love it. Please do. Um, because a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people don't really realize that there are, every, like almost every state grows wine. It might not be your typical varietals, but they grow wine. Right. They do grow wine. And Michigan, I think, actually has a pretty good following. Michigan's pretty good. Uh, I would, I would say their white wines are better than their reds, um, but for, you know, they probably do way better than a lot of Midwest states. I would say. I gotta have me some Michigan wine. I think it's better than Dirt County stuff. Oh, <gasps> Sarah. I mean, no, actually, I'd probably agree with you because. Some places, like here in the States, I feel like they tend to make wine when you're outside of like California, Oregon, mm-hmm. Washington, New York. They tend to make wine with like non-grapes. So they make wine with like mm-hmm. other fruits, which I mean, Coopersock does, which is not my cup of tea, but I know let plenty of people who do like it. Well, okay. Because uh, there's Door County cherry wine. I know. Yeah. That. So what, what? Tell me, tell us about Michigan. Well, so again, with the regions, so we're talking about Italy's Piedmont region, the Rhone Valley, Bordeaux, Burgundy, the Leelanau Peninsula in Michigan. What is it called? Leelanau. Leelanau. That sounds And then Willamette Valley. Okay. But that being said, it also passes through Maine and South Dakota and Wyoming. Like, whatever. All these areas that, like, you're not seeing wonderful wine. But I, okay. But the big, okay. the big difference. So the big thing You're about the forty into my thing. Yep, I'm with you. The big thing about the forty fifth parallel is that they experience the same angle of the sun and length of the day. But Which, that's really yeah. it. Because There's nothing else that's common among these places. 
But is it, does that angle and that length of day have a huge influence on grape growing? Well, potentially. <clears throat> I also think that you need to consider Pinot Noir, as we talked about in many previous episodes, is a very finicky grape. And it, it requires a very specific environment in order to thrive mm -hmm. and like grow well in. Because if it has like very harsh, like harsh winters and harsh, you know, very extremely hot summers, like mm -hmm. that skin is so thin that it is not going to be able to support the mm -hmm. grape for the, like the very, very cold like nights and stuff like that. And so obviously it's not going to do well there. You right. need a thicker skin grape to plant there. That's why you're not growing but, any in Wyoming. Right. But so the other thing is that, and this is my whole argument, is that while I think that the 45th parallel may have some very well-documented benefits to wine growing and to this particular grape, it also has so much to do with the actual topography and, you know, the type of land that it's on, the soil, you know, the other climates. Although I think that it's pretty much going to be like an overarching, but Michigan gets a shit ton more snow than I'd say Oregon. Oh yeah. Right? A hundred percent. So it's, it's not just the 45th. It has its own, like, um, it has its own little pockets of goodness. <laughs> pockets of goodness. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and you amazing. could also argue, I have heard, like, listen to some other podcasts that have, like, um, organic chemists or whatever on there, and they talk a lot about, like, the microorganisms that live in the soils, which, you know, even in, like, similar regions, like, next to each other regions, the microorganisms in the soils are actually different, and so that could potentially impact. This is the whole terroir thing, right? So speaking of Michigan, yeah. they do have a winery called um, 45 Latitude, and that's in the Leelanau Valley, like I was oh, talking like you were about. Oh, you talking about, yeah. Yeah. They make all sorts of varietals. They make Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, Riesling, Cab Franc, Merlot, and Pinot Noir. In Michigan? Yeah. I Where would be very interested to, um, to taste some of these. So they say that their distinct location is a driving force behind their approach to crafting world-class wines that represent the region. Um, they've been making wine since 2006. The Leelanau Ooh. Peninsula. I bet you you could like go over to Wisconsin up north and then cross over the lake somehow and get there. Oh. Um, but, yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. So this is, okay, so this is high up there. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's so Leelanau Peninsula is like, but it's like as far north as Door County, it looks like. But see, there's also a Left Coast Cellars, Latitude 45, which is a Pinot Noir of Willamette Valley. But like, I don't understand because I do think that while the latitude has something to do with it, I don't think that it has everything to do with it. And well, okay, so I definitely want to check out these fucking Michigan wineries because, I mean, I'm just intrigued because it's like our basic neighbor across the pond. Across the small pond. Small pond. Small pond. Not the big pond. Big pond. But there's, okay, so there is this event, and I think it's an annual event. It's called the World of Pinot Noir, and I believe it's held in California. And also, Jancis Robinson, who we've talked about, like, in the Sum episode, and she's the author of, like, 
so many amazing books. She's like the wine encyclopedia. Exactly. Yep. And she is part of this. And it's like essentially a tasting panel where people bring their Pinot Noirs. Oh, sort of what happened in some. But where people bring their Pinot Noirs and they get a, a grade, if you will, or a score on 0 to 10. And I bring this up because... I would argue that while 45 may seem to be something, the 45th latitude may appear to be something that is in common with a lot of Pinot producing vineyards, I don't think that we can just look at 45 alone. And I agree. I, yeah. So, so there are uh, 50th parallel, which is part of British Columbia in Canada. Mm-hmm. And they actually brought two. I think it sounds like all of these different vineyards like bring like two different wines, and they got scores between eight and a half and nine for both of their wines, and that's fiftieth. So that's further north, so cooler climates, um, not as much sunshine. Oh, I'm not an expert. Don't ask me. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> because I just read something about Washington, where Washington. Like, Columbia Valley gets, like, two hours more of sunshine than, like, Sonoma or something. Okay. Which doesn't make... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. That's possible. All right. I digress. So then there's New Zealand, who has Pinot Noirs. And they... It doesn't specify the parallel. But they're not northern. No, that's southern. But remember, like, the wine-growing region in the entire world is between the 30 30 and 50 50, north and south latitudes. Um, those got high scores around 90. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, got nine. I just automatically applied like Robert Parker there. Sorry. Uh, Chile, uh, got scores eight and a half and nine. And then there was another one. I swear somebody else said something about their latitude. I feel like there was like a 35. Point being... I think that latitude has something to do with it, but I don't think it's everything because we talked about this before. There's more to it than just like where, with respect to the equator, the equator and the North Pole you are, especially when it comes to like climate and topography. Like, are you next to mountains? Are you like Omaha? And <laughs> you're like right. in like the plains where there's nothing exciting and probably just soil to grow corn or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I definitely think that there's something to the 45th, but I agree with you that there's probably more that goes into it, like the soil and the winemaker yeah. and, you know, the actual grapes and the whole thing. So, but there is also something about this 45th, right? Otherwise, oh, it wouldn't even be a it, thing. It's, it's at least somewhat substantiated for it, sure it, it is like, it's like every stereotype like there's always like a reason why a stereotype there's a exists. truth there's yes, a there truth there's a truth to it but you it know? may not be the only it's not the magic bullet basically i don't think you can just like grow wines <laughs> on the 45th bullet. parallel and <laughs> and then say it's going to be amazing right yeah it's got to be like you've got to put more into it you know you're not going to have amazing wine just because you're grow- growing it on the 45th parallel exact you can't it's not a guarantee no you've got to be a good winemaker you've got to have a good terroir you've got to have good winemaking you got to have your shit together like irrigation sure. all that good for stuff. sure so i mean i think but i think that if you are on the 45th parallel then you maybe have, you want to look at pinot noir <laughs> or you know maybe you're just on like 
You're on a leg up there. You got a little bit of a um, get a little an bit advantage and of, of an advantage exactly because you do get that sunshine that they talk about, um, and that you know not only the slopes of the, the vineyards slopes. but also the amount of sunshine you get per day. Right. Right. So for sure, and I think also like the temperature shift as we talked about. The also interesting thing that I have read that is that with the 45th latitude that they say that it is a dividing line for wine where white grapes are grown north of it and red grapes are grown south. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yes. Although, I do, I do think that makes sense, but in order, like you need to make sure that like your white wine grapes, well, I'm thinking specifically about Riesling. <laughs> Oh, well, if you're thinking like about if, Riesling only, But that's you basically different. need it to ripen so it has enough sugar. So, yeah. like, you, I mean, granted, some grapes do better in cooler climates, but I don't know that all whites grow better in cooler climates, so higher up in the latitudes. But still. Probably not, I would say. That's why I'm interested to Oh, man, try these if Michigan only you, like, wines. went to school for this shit, you know? If only, you, if only. If I could redo, hashtag redo my life. Are you saying that you'd like a sponsor to sponsor you to go to school to know more about wine? Yeah, but wouldn't that mean that I would have to, like, leave Wisconsin? No. It would be temporary. (laughs) (laughs) Absence makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) Peace out, guys. I'll just be gone for... Peace out. I'm just going to go hang out in the vineyards and just, like, lay under... four years. I'll sleep underneath a, a vine bush. Yeah. Yes. If anyone wants to sponsor Jamie of DVP to, <laughs> to uh, I think I am gonna get a certification. To pursue her wine certification, uh, career pursuits. Then you know, give us a call or email us. Yeah, but I think I am gonna do a certification. She would really appreciate it. <laughs> My wallet would too. Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, this is a really good wine. I know it's not Pinot Noir, which we were talking about primarily, no. but like this is. I'm a fan of Grenache Syrah. I'm a fan of Syrah. I love Cote d'Aron. So explore your Cote d'Arons because, you know, they can be a lot of the Grenache and Syrah and Mavedra, but there's other things in there and you just really need to kind of find what blend works for you. So don't dismiss one if you don't like it. Hashtag you do you. You do you. Try a different one. There's so many different blends and there's actually, it's kind of nice because it also displays the winemaker's abilities because yeah. they're blend the way they blend it and the way that they do it has a lot to do with the quality and the type of wine that comes out. And so, you know, you might like one winemaker that makes Coteron and not the other, but that's cool. Paul Jaboulet Anne. Uh, whatever Jaboulet. it is. Yes. Jaboulet. Really cheap wine, really good for its price. Yeah. $12. Very I was pleasing. really surprised how yes. cheap this was. So, Yay, total wine find. So anyway, yes no. on that note. For total wine, I'm not sure. It What? what? I don't know if we love total wine or not. I, no, I'm but not sure. this is a yay for total wine. Okay, yes. Because we got it there. Right. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> I do like supporting my local wine right. shops, though. I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> I go there first. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Till next time. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.